What is the Feature Length Podcast? Anyone? Uh, the Feature Length Podcast is a show where three idiots talk about film and entertainment. Good answer! Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> hey, are you talking to us? Yeah! <laughs> I'm talking to the voices in my head. <laughs> like, I truly, I truly don't know. It felt like a fever dream. I swear to God, I could It sounds so stupid hearing that. <laughs> If you're listening to this, this is a podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, a podcast where we talk about movies and TV for a feature length of time. Hello, everyone, and happy 5th of November. I'm Daniel, and with me are Carol. Hello. And Marco. Hey. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, where today we're trying something different than our usual protocol. We'll be recording this episode and then posting it completely unedited on the same day. This idea may seem a bit radical, but in that case, it's completely in line with the movie we're talking about today. We're looking back on the very underrated noir-slash-action-movie-slash-political thriller V for Vendetta, released in 2005 and based on the graphic novel of the same name. For anyone not familiar with the film, it plunges us headfirst into a dystopian future in London, England. Modern society as we know it has completely collapsed and world governments are in shambles. The United States, or as it is now known, the former United States, is most recent is sorry, is the most recent government to succumb to revolution. And as this film depicts, Britain is surely next. The British government is now being run by di- dictatorship with strict and brutal control over its population, using its monopoly on everything from law enforcement to food rationing to media influence, the autocracy has taken over, ever since the so-called reclamation after the party was elected out of hope and desperation. We are introduced to Evie, a citizen living in this bleak shell of London's former state. Her parents were part of an early generation of revolutionaries and were abducted when Evie was a child years ago. One night, after being caught on the streets after curfew and attacked by a group of officers, she is rescued by a mysterious masked vigilante who introduces himself only as V. V wears a mask meant to resemble the historical figure Guy Fawkes, who roughly 400 years prior made an attempt to fight against his suppressive government by blowing up the parliament building in 1600s London before ultimately being caught and hanged. V explains that he intends to follow up on that attempt to end the current reign of tyranny and facilitate Britain's rebirth. From here, V and Evie both slowly gravitate towards the other's ideology, meeting in the middle, with Evie taking up her long-suppressed responsibility in the fight, and V finding his long-lost humanity in Evie. Together, the two of them strive to usher in a new era of freedom for the people. Yeah. So here we are. We're live, kind of. (laughs) The revolution will be live. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, boy. Where do we begin? Where do we we want to start? Do we want to go around and do impressions? Round robin? Round robin with uh, our our watch history? Sure. All right. Carol, as per usual, we have forced you to watch something you've never seen before, so (laughs) please take it away. Yeah, I'm happy that you forced me to watch this one, though, as is not always the case. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I somehow knew nothing about this other than Natalie Portman was in it and had a shaved head. 
um, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Guy Fox was involved. I didn't know who Guy Fox was. I didn't know that's what that mask was called because obviously I've seen that because um, I don't live under a rock completely. But other than that, I knew nothing of the plot. I didn't know it was based on a graphic novel or whatever until Marco mentioned it. Uh, so everything was fresh information for me. Um, and I just finished watching it 15 minutes before we started recording. Um, so it's very fresh in my mind. But I was super into it, uh, <laughs> uh, surprisingly so. Uh, I like the political parts of it, which I didn't know if I would, because sometimes that's, like, boring for me. And, like, especially these days, I was a little afraid it'd be, like, too close to home or whatever with the fake news and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was intriguing. I wanted to know what happened next at every turn. I was following the mystery. I wanted to know who V was. It was great. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, and it was gorgeous. So, no complaints. 10 out of 10. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's Glad really to hear cool it. to hear. Yeah, it was so fun. I guess I'll go next. Yeah. Because um, Marco was the first of us to ever see this. I think, so. <laughs> the first of us <laughs> yeah. to take the plunge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I first saw this movie probably, I was, I think, at the beginning of university or so. It was pretty recent considering. Like, I'm 25 years old and I had only seen it then. Um, and since then... I've seen it once again with Marco, um, and I think Miguel might have been there too. Yeah, because he had never seen it before. I don't think. Yeah, and one, and then once more for this episode. And um, I need to watch this movie more. <laughs> I need to <laughs> yeah. own it because yeah. it's really good, and I always kind of forget that it exists. It's kind of one, that's why I mentioned in the intro. It's an, uh, at least I think, an underrated classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think people talk about it enough. Um, f- first of all, because it's very it only ages better with every year it seems mm-hmm. um and we well, yeah, are unfortunately of course um but also it's just a super entertaining movie and um i i it for me it's in the same class as the matrix where it's like like as i just said i need to watch it more and kind of f- like forget to return to it mm-hmm. more than i should it's like this is probably a perfect movie i mean we'll get into that um, but it's also I didn't realize until the end credits that the Wachowskis wrote it. Yep. And the whole time yeah. I was watching, I was like, "This feels like you know how after the Matrix movies, a bunch of movies came out that felt like they wanted to be the Matrix yeah. and failed. This one felt like it wanted to be the Matrix and succeeded because it was mm-hmm. different enough, but it was very obviously influenced by the Matrix. And then I realized, then I saw the end credits and the same writers. So yeah, it's yeah. like wow uh, i had no idea because i hadn't watched it in years and i completely forgot but yeah um what a movie this is absolutely natalie portman hugo weaving fantastic um it looks great too especially for a 2005 movie i think um yeah i'll leave it there for now pass it on to you yeah um i i think yeah i did watch this first out of anyone although i probably have only seen it about the same number of times as you because i think i watched it once and then we watched it together and now this is my third time uh underrated classic underrated classic and i will i know i will (laughs) uh completely reiterate what dan said that like i need to watch this movie more and like i i'm making it a national holiday in our friend group to watch this every (laughs) 5th of november because i know i had the exact same experience where i sat and by the way i think i am the only one here that's read the graphic novel yeah i own the graphic novel i want to talk about that a little bit too but like I 
having read the novel and then watched the movie, watched the movie a second time, went into it this rewatch, basically remembering nothing other than like the opening scene and like the end. Um, so then going on the whole journey again, and just as the twists and turns unfold and being like, oh, that's a cool twist. Oh, wait a minute. That's like a twist on a twist. What the hell? I was like, it just, it just, yeah, the level, the level of like detail there, uh, was super exciting. And yeah, I, I had a fantastic time with it. I, I do, I, I'm very, it's going to be very interesting to talk about, particularly like in the politics of it, like how that's a little different from the graphic novel because of Alan Moore, who's like a pretty controversial figure who we can talk a little bit about too. Um, controversial, but important. Um, but then also like, I, I personally, and I think the little tidbit I'll add here before we get too far into it is like, I think this is for me with Jurassic Park in terms of the echelon of like book adaptations that I think are like better than the source material. Um, I, I think the first time having watched it, having read the graphic novel right before, I very much was like, I still respect what the graphic novel was doing, but I think being a little bit older now and watching it, I'm like, oh no, this is like, it, it is the Jurassic Park perfect adaptation where it very much is beat for beat the story, but it finds ways to change it in a way that works more cinematically because there's just stuff that you can do in a book you can't do in a movie. And I think even like to a certain degree improves on the source material where it makes it more enjoyable, if that makes sense. Because the source material is as bleak as some of the stuff in this movie is, the source material is even more bleak. Um, and I think that's why I've never gone back to it. Whereas this kind of uses a film structure to the best of its ability to kind of like highlight different parts of the story. Although it does lose a bit of the theming, but I'm fine with that at the end of the day because who cares? I mean, it's good. It's good enough in capturing Alan the Moore theming. Who cares, Marco? <laughs> I know he does, which maybe, we'll get into. Maybe a little bit too much. Yeah. The way, the way you're describing it, it sounds like the comic version is much more like Watchmen, where it's like very cynical. It is, yeah. I mean, this is definitely cynical too, it is but there too. are there are moments of levity that are needed in definitely. This movie. And I do think too, what's really interesting is like, for some reason in my mind, I mean, we can get we can get right into it. So f f this movie's great. We all think it's great. Everyone watch this movie. We're gonna we're gonna fucking talk about this movie, okay? <laughs> yeah, th that's our recommend. That's that's our recommend. I truly <laughs> think anyone could watch and enjoy this movie. Like this yeah. movie is great. Like. All around, just I don't know anyone that wouldn't enjoy watching this yeah. movie. Honestly, I mean there are some violent parts for kids, but like sure, yeah, still <laughs> maybe not it's, tiny children, but they can watch it. Maybe, on maybe, older. but honestly, but maybe sometimes. It, it is that kind of like hyper stylized violence, though, where it's fun. It's fun, like it's not you're not going to be like freaked out by it. Or it's anything. like the Matrix, like I said, exactly, like, and I yeah. know a lot of people when I was younger, before I even realized what the Matrix was, like I heard friends talking about the Matrix, and they're like. Oh, the Matrix is so cool! Like yeah. I just watched it last night. Yeah, so. exactly. If they can watch the Matrix, they could probably. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some of them would probably want to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Yeah. Let's let's get right into it. Sh shall we talk about the Alan Moore in the room? We of should it all first because <laughs> I I wanted to. We had talked about if I had time, I would have also read the yeah. graphic novel with you. I unfortunately I didn't, so I'd like to hear. Sure. that side of it too yeah so um first of all yeah this is a, a very let me let me preface this by saying that like alan moore famously hates almost with the exception of one every adaptation of anything and to the point where like he refuses he doesn't want 
like credits on it so like if you watch Zack Snyder's Watchmen for example he's not credited it's like based on a story by Dave Gibbons who was just the artist of Watchmen like Alan Moore's not credited he did in the that same thing whatsoever. for this correct yeah. uh, and with everything so for anyone who's not aware which potentially is probably Carol because I don't think you probably know the deep history of Alan Moore no, I just know what I the IMDb fun fact page. Okay, me. perfect. So I'll just do a quick summary. Alan Moore is like probably the most outside of Frank Miller like influential person writing comics in the '80s um, and really like revolutionized comics. Obviously, he wrote Watchmen, which is like the gold standard of deconstruction of superheroes and comic books and all that. And it's a fantastic book. Uh, he wrote this. Uh, he wrote a bunch of stuff like. I think he wrote Swamp Thing and just a bunch of other stuff. But he also wrote The Killing Joke, which is, like, a very important deconstruction of Batman. Um, some Superman stuff, a Superman story called For the Man Who Has Everything, which is probably the best Superman story ever. So, again, like, he is just, like, at the top of his game, a very, very good writer. Whose work is often misinterpreted. And so, like, I understand him not wanting his name on the awful animated Killing Joke adaptation because that was garbage. <laughs> I understand him not wanting his name on Watchmen. I mean, I think it's Zack Snyder's best movie, and I think it's pretty good. But like, it's still like it. That's not saying much. It misses the point. Like, I completely. Here's the thing. We're so mean to him. <laughs> no, it's he, honestly, it is a very faithful recreation of the graphic novel, like without as if you the subtext went over your head though, because the whole subtext of that book is like, and we'll get into like some of his politics, but how like superheroes are like bad like the idea of hero worship is bad because hero worship leads to like blindly supporting things that you don't really understand and so the superheroes in watchmen are dumb and idiots and like ineffectual just people in suits that are schlubby morons but then in Zack snyder's movie they're all like slow-mo badass like sick dude bros so like you know it's one thing to put the image on screen but you miss the con so again i understand why he doesn't want his name on that the only thing that he likes that's an adaptation is the Justice League animated show did an adaptation of the four who has the for the man who has everything Superman story and he was like, "No, nah, that's pretty good. You guys got it." Nice. Um yeah, but so like politically why I think Elmore doesn't like this is to do with the fact that like again, he he is sort of of the belief that the idea of hero worship um like is a precursor to fascism. So, like, a few weeks ago, there was a pull quote from an article he had just done. It was, like, an interview oh, he had alive? just done. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's still alive. No, <laughs> he's not, like, an is. old... He, yeah, he was just, like... writing his... all of these influential works. I don't know how long he's been In the around. 80s, in the 80s, though, yeah. I mean, he's, he's an old man now, but he's alive. Um, he is an old man, yeah. But someone did an interview, and there was a horrific, like, pull quote that went around that, of course, just for the sake of getting clicks, was basically, like that people lining up to watch Batman movies is, like, the precursor to fascism was, like, the pull quote. And and then, of course, everyone was like, I don't, I'm not a fascist. I like Batman movies. And it's like, you completely missed it. Like, his, his whole sort of thesis is the idea that it's, it's like, the opposite of, like, except, exceptionalism and, like, Iron Ran politics. Like, as opposed to the idea that, like, you put all your hope and faith into, like, exceptional people that really it's like the collective that's the the betterment of everything um and so a lot of his theming in the book and this book in particular is very much this morally gray area of like like as fascism rises and people are blindly following on that side like having like a quote-unquote like 
good and evil is like bad because then you have like terrorists on the other side and like terrorism is not inherently good but it's like the only proportionate response to blindly following something right when everything is good or evil like these are the, this is the extreme that it gets to and so the book is way more concerned and like evie's relationship with v in the book evie's a lot younger it's not a romantic relationship and v is way less of like a character v is more like a stand-in for like terrorist ideology and like a piece of shit and the whole book is sort of about like evie as a young person falling for that as like the only response that she can have to this extreme fascist dictatorship and so the the book is way more like hey this type of hero worship and good and bad only ever leads to like more of the extreme and like the extreme on either end is not a viable option for anybody like that's a terrible way to live whereas the movie especially by the end of the movie um paints v as a bit more of like a martyr for this bigger cause which is like by the end of the movie a good thing like not that what he did was good but that the fact that all these people are now like rallied in the cause which is a great scene in the movie i understand why he would be frustrated by that because it's like <laughs> you like I'm, he's not supposed to be a superhero um so i i do get that but i think it makes for a better movie than if they had just done the book which is very depressing where effectively uh v dies and then ev just sort of like becomes the new v and the idea is that like she is just like now corrupted by this like terrorist cause and it's all that she knows in her life is to be this like extremist terrorist person and so it, it's a, it's way more bleak where it's like there there's no good that can come from this like at the end of the day like these equal and opposite opposing factions like are just going to keep going back and forth until england fucking crumbles um which is really sad. I think the movie manages to make the same... Uh, it, it sends the same message, but it also puts a spit on it that gives us like a happier ending at the same time. Totally. Because and I also, um, like especially on this rewatch, really keyed into the fact that like V is not... <laughs> yeah. He is not the hero of the story. Like yeah. Evie is very clearly the hero of the story. So I, I still got the message... That I think the book was trying to send, mm -hmm. but it, this seems much more enjoyable than what the book was giving us. I agree bit. as well, and I think the other thing was, for some reason, back in the day when I first watched it, after reading the book, I, I felt like V was a bit too heroic of a character. But watching it now, sort of completely removed from all that context, I'm like, oh no no, he is clearly still a terrorist, like, what he's doing is bad, the theming of, like, Evie, like being encompassed by this whole thing like it, it the themes of it are all still there it's present um but yeah it's just they twist the ending in a way to make it feel a bit more uplifting as opposed to a completely dire mess which i think is like required kind of for a traditional movie yeah for sure well i will say even on imdb it obviously highlighted a lot of the differences between the graphic novel and the film um so while i hadn't read the graphic novel i too know mm -hmm. a little bit of what they changed um and yeah obviously as you reiterated or iterated and i'm gonna reiterate it i know sure. english um they did change it to make it more morally appealing was the exact quote on imdb yeah. uh because apparently the novel and it seems like actually the novel since you read it was more like going towards just anarchy and that was it whereas in the film it was portrayed a little bit more as not anarchy but freedom 
Yeah. And I don't really want to get into an actual political discussion of, you know, what's better or what that means or whatever. Um, But one of the other um, changes, apparently Evie was 16, as you said, younger, but a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and illiterate. I don't know why that's important. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably just like to to like I don't know why they would put that in the IMDb quotes. I'm just, I, from what I remember, She's I think it's more just about like prostitute is exactly just what roasting it's... her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the person that wrote it is just like fuck Evie. No, I mean I think it's probably more meant to symbolize how like this fascist regime is like you can't learn anything about anything. Sure. Like you just have to trust us. But like it's weird they would include <laughs> yeah. that I mean, in the in that case I would assume most people are illiterate. Exactly. Not just yeah. Evie. No, no, just no, Evie, Evie only is illiterate and a prostitute. Um, yeah. And apparently um her boss, Gordon Dietrich, who's played by Stephen Fry, was also her lover in the book. Yes. Uh the Which is a nice change in this. Yeah. Um, anywho, oh. um, I'm happy and they that definitely he was just that. a nice little gay man who also hated the government. Uh, that made me very happy, and I wasn't yeah. expecting that at all. I was a little scared when she showed up to his house that mm-hmm. he was going to like secretly call the cops on her or something. I don't know. There was a weird look on his face, but when it was revealed that he was an ally, love it, um, I was very pleased. And, you know, and then heartbroken, but whatever, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that was a great twist. Uh, that's that's another, like, again, one of the changes I think that really, like, helps the source material, where it's Definitely. like, yeah, it, it's it's a really good, I think, I think, like, at the end of the day, the biggest thing about this, and you kind of alluded to this, Dan, is it still manages to have that whole, like, like, V is not the central character, he's not the hero, he's just, like, this force of nature representing, like, the opposing reaction, um, but it's it, the Joker. He's, <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of is, like, the Joker. When you think about it, like, he, and even like his sorry sorry he's like off. the joker actually now that you say it <laughs> he's like the non-villain like he's not a hero but he's he's not a villain like the joker he's no. i guess the anti-hero equivalent of what the joker is Definitely. and even like his v sign that he leaves everywhere especially when it's in a circle mm-hmm. is very reminiscent of the anarchy symbol just upside yeah. down definitely so definitely. i mean there are it's definitely purposeful oh yeah um but yeah, like at the end of the day, like all the changes I think are more around Evie becoming like a actual protagonist and an actual like central character that makes choices rather than is just sort of like seduced by terrorism and it's almost like doesn't have a say. Like I even think obviously there's the whole middle section, which is like a twist on a twist on a twist, which is yes. great. With her, like, V having captured her and doing all that, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, but also and then horrifying. him going, like, but you asked for this, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Insanity. Which I I want to talk about their relationship a little bit, because I had a funny discovery <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. But we'll get, we'll get there. I'll say maybe, yeah. Um, but what I love about that is, like, she does leave. Like, she doesn't, like, it's not just like, well, I guess I'm doing this now. It's like she has to, like, make the choice to come back to it and commit to it and commit to the cause and I, I thought that was great again just adding more agency to her as a protagonist um which is way I, like it's way more important in like a screenplay in a film as opposed to a book where you can have it be a bit more like you're not necessarily dialed in on one character it's more like idea based uh which is what the novels like compared to this so and I do love when, uh, like, after she leaves and we get that montage going into the, the third act yeah. of everything building and Evie just taking in everything that's happened since her capture and you see the moment that she decides mm-hmm. she's going to return to the fight. Yeah. And that whole montage is fantastic. It might be my favorite, like, section of this whole movie. It's great. And it's also, like, 
horrifyingly close to real life. Like, mm-hmm. when, like, the little A lot girl, of this movie is I know. Well, there's a lot. First of all, yeah. there being a whole, like, weaponized virus to get control of people and stuff, <laughs> which, like, I'm not saying COVID's a virus. I hadn't even but, thought like, of that, actually. <laughs> when they were talking about, like, a weaponized virus, I was like, oh, god damn it. God fucking damn it. But, like... Yeah. Yeah, with, like, the little girl in the V-mask getting shot by the Ooh. officer, and then, like, the whole town rallying to, like, be like, nah, fuck the police. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, we can't, we can't, this book was written in the 80s, and then yeah. this adaptation was written in the early 2000s, and we're still goddamn here. Like, we're still yep. dealing with yeah. this. And, and, um, what was I gonna say? I also like, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the depiction of the, their media influence. I just found it really <laughs> interesting how every single time a tragedy happened, they were in the first thing they were doing is writing a fake story yeah. to like cover it up. It's like, hmm, like they're brainstorming like a writer. Like, I, it's like a writer's room. What's yeah. this one yeah. gonna be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was that also was interesting how they depicted how natural it had become for them. Like there wasn't even yeah. a second of like, oh, should we change to this? Mourn. It was like, no, no, we're changing it. And the chancellor mm-hmm. almost always had like a million stories in his back pocket to make it into something more desirable. Which dare i say very 1984-esque actually yeah. i do i have to say well, yeah i mean yeah face on the screen. oh yeah no 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 like yeah well i remember i actually read viva Frendetta right after reading 1984 because oh. i remember like i had always heard that it was like what similar kind of mindset themes, were you in it was great that must 12. have been a depressing <laughs> yeah i mean it was great 12. i was depressed <laughs> i was wearing black all the time and i have the Thanks fucking so i have them like i actually have the guy fox mask oh, yeah. it came with my copy of v um, Amazing. But Wait, the, the book or the movie? The book. Oh. But um, it's a good, uh, it is a good companion piece, I feel like. Like, if you were ever to read V, I would also read 1984, because, like, the themes of it very much, like, play off each other. And it's also fun, because 1984 was written in the 40s, and then this was actually written in the 80s by Alan Moore. So it's like, look at that. It is the 80s now, and we're writing a story about, like, what's going on? Because so also, good. again, just just to add in like the book was very heavily based on at the time margaret thatcher was the prime minister of england yes um and she was a hyper conservative and alan moore obviously just a fucking bleeding liberal hated her guts (laughs) and so was like fuck this person and then when it was adapted in the 2000s it was very much based on like george bush and the iraq war and all that so um there's yeah. always something to compare it to. There's always something. There's always something to compare it to. But that was sort of why they ended up, I think, going forward with it in the early 2000s was specifically because of everything happening with the Iraq War. And I think the Wachowskis, like, kind of pitched it and changed the story a little bit in terms of the screenplay and added some of those, like, surveillance elements because none mm-hmm. of that's in the book. But in this, there's a lot of, like, big surveillance. Like, we're fucking, we're coming to get you. And, um, yeah, and I think that's what ultimately was, like, a big factor in the studio going forward with it. I think that's cool how, like, so you said 1984 was written in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the 80s, people are like, this is still super relevant, yeah. and we need a new iteration of this. So Alan Moore was like, I'm going to write a new story that is very reminiscent of this, but kind of the next, like, passing the torch on mm-hmm. this. Like, this is the new 1984. Not that it, like, not 1984 is, is obsolete or anything, but this it's, is it's very the much, new generation. Yeah, it's a companion piece. It's like a, a soft reboot. Whatever, whatever. It kind of <laughs> is a soft reboot of 1984. Franchise revival? Fra- it is a franchise <laughs> revival, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I, just, I also just want to say... Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? My, yeah, my thing is unrelated, for, so you can go yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for acknowledging my hand raise. Uh, yeah, I Just saw one that. more thing that apparently was different in the novel that I wanted to ask you about before we move too far away from the Alan Moore and comparisons. Yeah. Apparently, um, the Chancellor left all important decisions to fate, a supercomputer, um, oh, okay. in the novel. <laughs> Uh, fate f dot a dot t dot e i don't know what it stands for um, classic but apparently that classic happened acronyms. in the novel and that was taken out of the movie to make it him seem more inherently evil and obviously to make all of the mm. horrible decisions he was making be all of his own so that his death felt more warranted but anyway what's that about I do not even remember that. So um, I, it was probably I just like... I did notice the was, blank stare when I said fate. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like... It was and, probably, the, and the fact that you went, oh. Oh, <laughs> that's a fun fact. It was probably in like one page. It was probably like a throwaway reference or something. Okay. But I, I will say like, yeah, I think, again, going back to probably why Alan Moore didn't like this, like the evil fascist government is so obviously an evil fascist government, whereas I think in the book they... not that Not that they're sympathetic, like they still do shitty things, but nobody is like a comical villain the way that like for example like the the speaker that goes out on, on all those public shows and is mm. basically just donald trump like like nobody's like to that extreme everyone's just a bit more like no 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 like we're doing the right thing like we vehemently believe we're doing the right thing but it's vehemently? like vehemently vehemently <laughs> believe they're doing the right thing um yeah so i i, I believe that computer thing because yeah it makes the chancellor less of like a cartoon villain like overlord 1984 style and a bit more just like a guy that is kind of dumb and is sort of just blindly going along with the cause for no reason um because he saw the opportunity because he saw the opportunity too when everyone was like they needed to turn to someone yeah so exactly like, exactly this is my political opportunity yeah mm -hmm. and it's probably it, it also probably is a little bit of a metaphor again for like hyper conservatism as a uh, a mode of operation where you just have like a set of beliefs that you don't even necessarily understand but you just follow so like maybe like the whole fate thing is a commentary on that like on like faith i think so you yeah. know what i mean where it's like oh yeah i just believe this and we're just gonna do it now like so i'm sure that's why that was included too and they even that makes sense because even in the movie version i think if i'm remembering correctly uh the chancellor mentions or, or maybe it's the news anchor or someone how like religion is very yeah uh like tied in with the their political party's like whole you know beliefs motif yeah. yeah yeah definitely that's definitely in there too <clears throat> um but i was gonna say i just i couldn't believe the similarities to batman begins in this movie <laughs> okay and and not just because <laughs> it came out in the same year which is wild um but like great, great year for movies <laughs> The whole, I'm, I like the energy of this movie of one figure, and obviously, as we've talked about, V is not a hero, so Batman isn't like as an equivalent to V. But there, there are definitely similarities of people looking to this one person in a, a city that has gone to shit, and like inspiring the people. And I know that that um, this this the line I don't remember. You'll know what it is, but the line at the end of him talking about the idea under the mask. Like, yeah. Oh, it's. Under this mask is not flesh and bone or something. Yeah, there's an there's idea. There's an idea and here. And ideas are bulletproof. bulletproof. And I think there's a similar line in Batman Begins. Oh, it's when 
uh, Ducard is talking <laughs> yeah. to, to Bruce Wayne at the beginning in the prison, and he's like, if you devote yourself to an idea or whatever, you become something else entirely. Yeah. And it's like, these two movies came out in the same year. I'll do you one better. When Bruce is talking to Alfred, he literally says, as a man, I'm flesh and blood. Yeah, but as an yeah. idea, as a symbol, I can be everlasting. Like, exactly. It's like the same line of dialogue, but I mean, you know, it's great. Yeah, and then also the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, how either intentionally or unintentionally this movie definitely has to have influenced uh captain america the winter soldier because that is also a, a political yeah. thriller untying like is this hugo web weaving of... is in both of them no actually he's he's not in that one but oh is it the uh, first one? one yeah just because of like the whole like web of lies conspiracy government conspiracy political but thriller i don't think like... that's a movie similarity i just think that's a a, life. a theme a theme in life <laughs> well yeah i guess a life too maybe yeah. that's true maybe yeah i mean well that's actually that's probably true but i don't know i i got heavy vibes not in not in terms of similar tone but in some in terms of subject matter watching yeah. this as watching uh winter soldier i can see that i think because hydra in winter soldier is definitely portrayed as almost like kind of like a fascist regime in a way but it's like yeah. a secret fascist regime it's secret but that's the that's the main difference that's a, yeah. yeah 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 i i definitely could see that um but yeah like not knowing who to trust and, and exactly there's elements of that too with the detective character that's sort of like I, i'm trying to figure stuff out and nobody's letting me and i don't know what the fuck to do so that subplot definitely uh felt very winter soldier-esque yeah oh and speaking of the detective did you recognize the other detective oh i recognize the other detective <laughs> carol did you recognize the other detective Oh, God. Um, the partner? Like, he looked familiar. I will say that. <laughs> Do I know who he is? Do you know where from? Absolutely No, not, not necessarily. Like, I don't even know his name, but have yeah, you I seen him in, no. in anything? Yes. Okay. But ask me what, and I could not tell you. <laughs> he was, uh, he's uh, Inspector Lestrade in the Sherlock uh, Benedict Cumberbatch show. Oh. That and that's the only sense. other thing I've seen him in. Yeah. Is he not the prime minister that fucks the pig in Black Mirror? <gasps> no. Or is that someone else? <laughs> no, that's uh, Rory Kinnear, I think. Is oh, it. you're right. You're right. Sorry. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I don't know why I thought that was him, too. I thought those people were the same. Hmm. Well, you know, they don't look that different. Yeah. They're both British. They're both British. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Older men. All right. White. <laughs> that's true. It's it's the Dumbledore all over again, Carol. Just... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, but I um, wasn't the one who thought they were the same person. That was you this time. I know, I know. <laughs> okay, but Carol, you brought up Hugo Weaving. Yes. This motherfucker does not miss <laughs> in Especially any I didn't know it was right? him until after. So good. He is so good at Obviously, this. Obviously, because I didn't um, see his face. How could I know? Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> yeah, you never see his face. It's yeah. essentially like like a voice performance. Like, mm -hmm. as if you were voicing like a, like just like a fucking animated character or something, because you never see him. Um, yeah. But he is phenomenal in this. So many different voices at some point, at one point. Especially in the, yeah. when he's imprisoning Evie. Yeah. And he's like trying to, he's pretending to be uh, like a bunch of different people. Wow. He's, he's so great. All those different yeah, accents. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, at one point I thought maybe it could be him. And then I was like, no, the voice is different. It can't be. As if I thought that he couldn't modulate his voice. that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's that good. And also just, like, brings such a, like, level of charm to a character that should be completely charmless because he's, like, a psychopath. But, like, just, <laughs> like, he's so, no like... facial expression. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, the fact that he's in a mask the entire time, and you like he's such an engaging character mm-hmm. nonetheless. Ah, great, so good. And just the early two thousands apparently was the the era of Hugo Weaving. Oh yeah, the was... Matrix and Lord of the Rings and this and Red Skull. Oh yeah, well that was a bit later. Yeah, but... a bit later, but you know. Yeah, yeah, he's so amazing. Good stuff. Everyone's really good at this. This is one of my favorite Natalie Portman performances. She's Me like too. really strong in this. Like I even was a with doing an English accent. About the British so. accent, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, you it get was used okay. to it though. Like yeah, yeah. She yeah. just kind of disappears into the role. Yeah, she held it together. <laughs> this was hot off of uh, uh, Star Wars? Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, it was <laughs> actually the same year. I think same year as Revenge of the Sith. Although it was really, I'm just, yeah, yeah. So time she was does probably, not make sense to me. Time mm-hmm. is not. She's probably like, thank God, a real film role. <laughs> <laughs> she barely has anything to do in Revenge of the Sith. Oh no, right? she just dies. Yeah, she shows up, gets choked out. She's just there to die. She's pregnant and dies. give birth to Luke and Leia. And say Luke and Leia. Yeah, that's what she's there to do. Well, that's important. God bless. I think. Well, it's important. It's sad because we it's like important. Luke and Leia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not because Natalie Portman's character is anything. Yeah. Um, that was our Star Wars quota. Yeah, we did it. Um, so do you think in conjunction with Batman Begins this must have been like the first good uh, like okay I don't know yeah I don't know uh, I didn't look up like when in 2005 each of those movies came out Mm. but um, I I would like we've talked about how Batman Begins was like the first actually good superhero movie Mm -hmm. and then I would say this isn't a superhero movie but it's probably like the first good comic book movie like really really good comic book movie I know, yeah. like, people have a soft spot for, like, Batman 89 and, and the sick... No, I mean, it's just so much better. Superman but, movie from yeah, the yeah. 70s. And, but in terms of, like, a movie that has aged very well, mm-hmm. even in terms of its production, like, yeah, looking back is... on, on Batman 89 and Superman, like, they have clearly are of their time. Yeah, definitely. So... This does not feel like a 2005 movie at no. all. Which is, like, yeah, it's it just goes to the timelessness of it. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it, it is up there with Batman, I think, as being one of the the first, like, truly timeless, great comic book movies that you don't really feel the age of. And I think the subject matter helps, too, with a lot of that. But I also think we... And we talk about this with The Matrix a little bit. Like, when you intentionally stylize something so specifically, it helps it be timeless as opposed to like just doing whatever the style of the time is at like for example a lot of the early 2000s stuff like the x-men movies that very clearly are from the early 2000s because they have so much of that like built into it um whereas i think like even though the wachowskis i know didn't direct it they just wrote the screenplay but they were also producers on it so you got to imagine that they had some level of say and a lot of they to me are like aaron sorkin where it's yeah whenever they write a movie it's the wachowski's movie (laughs) yeah exactly and i think like taking some of the elements of the matrix but not fully um not to the point where it's a ripoff but a lot of the action feels matrix-esque and i will say the rain scene was extremely matrix feeling with the like slow-mo raindrops falling on her face (laughs) (laughs) okay i will say when when yeah like when she walked out and stuff i was like oh this is a good scene and then there was like a slow-mo raindrop and i was like god damn it i was like why did we need the slow-mo ra- we couldn't we have just let the scene play well, especially also- like i thought when that happened that that slow-mo scene would last a little longer but it se- mm-hmm. seemed almost too abruptly cut off so then i was like what's the point just to show that technologically you can do that i guess no, exactly it was <laughs> such like, like a weird insert <laughs> yeah i agree but then also one of my like 
tiny tiny minor criticisms of this it does not detract from the movie at all but when that rain scene was happening and like as she's standing there with the rain falling on her and very clearly if you have even like an ounce of like storytelling understanding and whatever you understand that like rain falling on a person is normally used to symbolize like rebirth and baptism and like becoming the person they're it's going a to trope. be it's a trope it is a classic trope <laughs> i'm fine with it it's a good one but like when she's standing there doing that and then they like cut back to v like being born in fire with like insert shots i was like guys we got it like i don't think again i don't think anyone missed that i don't think we needed to see the direct parallel like i think again if you just kind of understand like oh yeah like in v's origin like he was born from fire and she's being born from water and like i okay like we get it um and fire and water will meet meet in the middle and create steam (laughs) (laughs) no but like i was gonna say yeah (laughs) um yeah it just seemed a little bit to me like like they showed this to the studio and the studio was like i don't get it like why are we why are we spending so much time on this rain scene and then they were like maybe because they spent so much money and effort to film the rain scene and they were like we can't just use it once maybe or the fire scene they're like this is too sick of a shot i want to put this (laughs) this is too dope of a shot (laughs) it It is a dope shot i do need to say shout out to the stunt double who was in the fire scene because he actually walked through fire wearing fire resistant gel only and a g-string that's it naked other than gel and a g-string which is iconic to me (laughs) yeah geez no that's sick so I think it was deserved that they wanted to show that off more than once. I mean, it's yeah, in a storytelling way, it was probably unnecessary, but I do understand that they were like, you know, we it have it, might as well use it. Yeah. It was also pretty hype, though, not going to Oh, lie. it was hype. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely hype. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I'm so triggered now by, like, studio note decisions. The reason being, but you like, don't I've always been know like... know what they are. No, I don't. I don't. But here's the thing, <laughs> is I'm telling you... It's, it's even worse than we think. And here's why. There's a... This is a total non-sequitur. I don't give a shit. We're keeping it in. I'm not editing it out. But, like... Love a live is, We're not editing anything out. Yeah. We're not editing anything. Um, there is a doc on Amazon for the James Bond music. And it's oh, all yeah. about, like... the. It's all about, like, oh, like going through the history of James Bond music. Oh, that's new, isn't it? It's brand new. I just watched it the other night. Um, and oh, it's, like, framed with... Yeah. They keep intercutting uh, stories of, like like Billie Eilish and Phineas making this newest song so they keep kind of like cutting back to that because that's present day and then they go back and revisit other songs and stuff when they were talking about Casino Royale okay the music the guy that was doing the music for not Chris Cornell but like the guy that did the arrangement for Casino Royale was talking about how when they like screened it for the studio the studio was like people aren't going to get that the we're saving the James Bond theme for the last scene in the movie they were like people aren't gonna get that that's gonna go over people's head and the guy was like i almost lost my job fighting for that to be the case because if we had used the james bond theme elsewhere in the movie and not in that last scene it fucking like completely deflates that last scene like that last scene works because it's like and bond is here this is an origin story um yeah but so like again like here whenever i hear stories like that there was, like, Sorkin talks about, like, when he was writing The West Wing that, like, some of the studio notes he got was, like, hey, like, could the president, like, blow up in a plane? <laughs> and he was, like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Like, 
what show do you think we're making? So yeah, like isn't the president <laughs> the main character? Yeah, in that show? one of yeah, like it's an ensemble, but he's like in the ensemble. That's he's... so weird too that they would ever want to kill. Usually they'd never want to kill off a main character for the show's <laughs> success. So anyway, do you, think, do you think people in movie studios have ever seen a movie before? I, I dude, honestly, <laughs> they don't have that time. work in movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they honestly have like worse instincts than regular people than just the general audience like, like the general audience like hears the shit and is like that's dumb why would you ever do that and yeah so anyway that's why whenever I see something that's even somewhat like questionable or like no I already understood that why are you doing that and I'm like oh no definitely someone must have suggested it cause, cause like the people that run studios are clearly just like imbeciles oh yeah like they actually know nothing so that's <laughs> inarguable yeah um i just want to backtrack a little bit when we were talking about how much like the matrix this movie having its own identity and sense of style only helps its mm. aging process and i just i'd be amiss to not bring up the fact that there is a direct comparison in video games with that on what your graphic art yeah. style is so for example like games that go for hyper realistic animation of human beings like as much as i love it the last of us will age more poorly in look than like a mario game yeah exactly. because mario isn't even trying to be emulating real life whereas one is and like the fact that it is so far in the other direction means it's, it'll only ever succeed in its look and i think it's the same thing of like obviously for live action movies where it's not a direct comparison of like animation but in in terms of like the style mm -hmm. the look of the cinematography the color correction all that sort of stuff is the equivalent. So I think you're absolutely right. Like the Matrix, like this, the fact that it drives so hard in its own direction means it it's much less susceptible to the process of aging. Oh yeah, so hundred yeah, percent. I and, and I think that's clear watching it in 2022. Yeah, where it's still it enjoying it. Looks like a kid could could have come out last year. Like if you told me this movie came out last year, I would have been like, yeah, all the themes are on point, the visual style, like this feels like the type of it feels better than the type of movie that would have come out last year <laughs> like because everything that came out the matrix i think i would assume it that had sucked. a smaller budget if you told me it came out last year well yeah but that's sure simply for that's, the camera quality the or like, whatever yeah but yeah that's fair every blockbuster budget is now inflated so like yeah. if it's yeah. not a 200 million dollar movie it was an indie movie definitely but and also i feel like like we've talked so much about like the mid-budget movie disappearing but the nice thing about that is you you cannot then rely on shit that's not going to age well. So like a movie like this where so much of it is in camera and we're doing real stunts and even like the stuff that is digital, like some of the visual effects and the fighting is so stylized that it doesn't really matter as opposed to now where, yeah, it's just like, man, you see the behind the scenes of like some of the more recent Marvel movies and it's just like Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi standing on a giant green screen and for yeah. what? For a city shot? Like for a for a city shot. You're on I a know. city street. Why are you green screening this? It looks it's so awful. depressing. It it I know. It's very 1984. It is very 1984. <laughs> Honest, speaking of depressing though, there is like the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's it's and you you've seen this, but it's the behind the scenes of the Hobbit. Oh and, yeah. Where um Serene McKellen, obviously who played Gandalf in Lord of the Rings and like loves the source material so much, had such a great time doing it. And then in The Hobbit, it was mostly like green screen and not a lot of practical effects and whatever. And so there's a scene of him like literally just in like a green screen room acting to nothing because they were just gonna like do everything else digitally, and he literally just like breaks down and like 
starts like crying like at the table because he's like this is fucked like this is not acting like this is ridiculous well it, it was the this is not acting and he felt he was like the only one not acting with anyone else so he felt lonely super isolating compared to like yeah. lord of the rings where so much of that was more practical and they yeah. used um like camera angles and playing tricks on on your mm-hmm. eyes and stuff which is why those movies still look good yes and i mean not that the hobbit looks like bad no, or anything, no, but it, it looks fine the lord of the rings still looks surprisingly good for yeah yep definitely all right guys what do we want to talk can I, okay can i <laughs> can i say something dumb now to, to get us back on track talking about this movie so again the book doesn't really have much of a, a romance to it it's more like if anything the the seduction is more like being seduced by like extremism and because obviously again with evie being like 16 years old well and she's she does taken not like by her boss sure so yeah you know, she can't cheat on Definitely. him god forbid <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it would have been uh, very odd to have a actual, like, romance, I love this person type thing. So, in watching this movie this time, and seeing sort of the way some of the romance plays out, with him, like, taking her to the lair, and her being like, let me see behind the mask, and all that. And I, I, I just had this thought where I was like, man, this is like, Viva Vendetta meets phantom of the opera like so much of the romance in this is just phantom of the fucking opera which when he I love punches phantom. the mirror and drops yeah. the mask all i could think <laughs> yeah. was wait is this phantom <laughs> did the movie it's change? so funny <laughs> it's so funny how clearly they took so much inspiration for that for like the romance but subplot, which so again random, i'm fine because it like it doesn't have anything to do with the plot you know no. Like, I yeah. understand that they wanted to change it to make it a little more sympathetic, but I, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't make sense. I don't think it really added anything to the plot that he was in love with her and she was, I guess, not in love with him because she didn't say it back when he said it, but yeah. there were definitely some feelings there, um, probably inspired yeah. a bit by Stockholm Syndrome um, because of the whole kidnapping and torturing yep. thing, uh, but yeah. I don't know. It didn't really seem necessary, but I'm glad that it didn't go too far. Like, if she was legitimately in love with him by the end and they, like, had mm-hmm. sex or something, I would have been out. <laughs> Definitely. The mask on. I think it does a good enough <laughs> with the mask on. Well, the, the whole outfit on, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's burned to a I think crisp does... everywhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He is burned to a crisp, eh? He's just a crispy boy. He's like Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was going to say, very that... Deadpool-esque. That fire shot, like reminds, remind, it definitely reminds me of Deadpool. When too. I saw that shot, I was like, "Oh, Deadpool definitely just aped off this." Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they were just like, "We're just gonna do this, see, like this visual style." It looks the same, except you see his dick in Deadpool because yeah, Deadpool. <laughs> Look at my balls. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I also appreciate the fact that, like, even though they added in the romance subplot, yeah, it doesn't go too far into like, like love like not not love but you know what i mean like they don't romance they're not like together it's more just like like you were saying you alluded to earlier dan like she helps him find his humanity a little bit and he helps her like remember the cause and get out of the like social programming that all this is okay and like very matrix very it is very matrix-esque uh which is also great but yeah and and then i and she's bald like neo in uh, (laughs) yeah yeah she is (laughs) i actually i yeah, I think that's in the okay. book, too. I think. We're good, we're good. I'll have to go check. I'll check after. I'll let you know. Uh, but, 
Yeah, I think it, it that works, and I like in particular, it's all tied up really nicely. I think in that last moment when whoever she's with, I forget. I think it's the detective, asks like who he was or mm-hmm. something, and then she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, like he he was my dad. He was my mom. He was this person." Like, <laughs> yeah, when she just said he was my dad, I was a little scared for a second. I was like, "Wait." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think uh, I yeah, I think like that scene really tied it all up nicely. Where I was like, oh, "Okay, like I get it. Like the love is more like." Yeah, because they, they help each other, and, and she saw, like, the part of her in him that was, like, repressed after all these years and, and whatnot, which is cool. I think that was a, a nice addition there. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad it doesn't go too far as well, but I do think, in that sense, it was necessary. Um, obviously, it wasn't necessary to be a romantic thing, too, because in the book it's not, and mm-hmm. it still works. Um but like the fact that there is just some connection of the two EV and it doesn't have to be the other way it doesn't yeah. have to be reciprocated but it, yeah. I think it is important that he feels it towards her because that's his whole like character arc definitely that that she helps him like I said rediscover his humanity so yeah he it's that in that sense it's important that we get that so that he actually feels like a different character by the end of this exactly as opposed to the book where he has no character and just dies as a terrorist and then she takes up the mantle again intentional but that doesn't really work in a movie i mean like i guess it could but it just wouldn't be very like enjoyable to watch Mm -hmm. so i think it's a better change for sure yeah books are different rules i often find when i read especially like when i read the jurassic park novel Mm -hmm. even like alan grant was much more of a static yeah he doesn't really have an art i don't know most of the characters didn't really have an arc in that book except for like learning like they changed in the sense that they now know dinosaurs exist and were sure. traumatized but they weren't like their attitudes didn't really change throughout the entire thing and Definitely. i think that's just a book thing yeah i like books i think like just by their nature are, are allowed to be way more conceptual and so like characters can just be stand-ins to like talk about conceptual ideas and stuff whereas movies are pretty strict story structure wise where it's like no 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 like you there there has to be some either rejection of change or acceptance of change and regardless of that like the ending is dictated by that so either like you can succeed by accepting change or you can reject change and fail but like there, there needs to be that for it to like feel like a cohesive movie otherwise it feels like so much of the bullshit indie crap we talk about where it's like just people existing man and then it ends and it's like that's oh, life baby that's, well, that's life baby because with films we're sitting down and watching it ideally uh obviously for this podcast not always for me but in one sitting uh so it should be entertaining uh (laughs) and it shouldn't be torturous to do that whereas with a book you know if there's some parts that are lagging i can come back to it take my time it can take me 10 years to read a book and that's fine i mean it never has that's a little long but you know i could stretch it out take breaks reread whatever and still maybe be entertained by it in the end if those parts st- are still worth it narratively yeah but yeah, yeah no yeah, films gotta books... keep us engaged mm-hmm. yeah because like you said you're watching a film ideally in one continuous like stroke whereas like people would rarely rarely ever finish a book in one sitting mm-hmm. there's much less of a sense of pacing in a book mm-hmm. and i think that also connects to the, back to the fact that your characters need to be more static than in a movie so that you can more easily pick up with them yeah and like remember where you left off because book chapters don't have like previously on this book (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so (laughs) exactly exactly. i think that's all connected yeah well it's interesting right because like in terms of narratives 
narrative art forms like what's comparing movies to books or even comics or whatever um yeah like movies the carol you kind of alluded to like they dictate pace you know what i mean like in editing they tell you what the pace is and whereas like with a book or a comic book or whatever like you're Video dictating game. the pace so it's like again like if you pick up a comic like depends how you want to read it some people like to look at the art first and they go back and read the picture some people like to read the words and then go through a page and look at pictures you can like hang on a panel for as long as you want like and then similar idea with books some people like will flip back and like go through another chapter and like re-expose themselves to something um but a movie is like just one like stream thing from start to finish and the pace is dictated to you and yeah so you you have to make those types of changes but uh, that's why i said up top i think this is like one of the strongest adaptations i've ever seen and because the Wachowskis are, when they want to be, talented writers. And when they don't want to be, aren't. But uh, I think also, though, like, early on, like, when they were younger, they talked so much about, like, graphic novels' influence on them. Like, even The Matrix was inspired by a lot of different graphic novels they were into and anime and stuff like that. So I see that. I, I fully believe that they were, like, fans of this forever, probably since the 80s, and probably have, like spent so much time thinking about the ways in which you could make a movie out of it like this seems like a passion project to me which is probably why it works so well for sure yeah what other uh wachowski stuff have, like have you seen uh <laughs> so way to put him on the spot well i can tell you what i haven't seen because it's looked bad and gotten bad reviews i did not see speed racer because <laughs> i could not give a shit and that looked awful uh, I couldn't. I did not see that one with Channing Tatum where he's like an <laughs> angel or something. Oh, uh, Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. Oh, wait, I heard yeah. bad things. I did too. Uh, did not see that. Um, there's the one with Tom Hanks in the boat. Um, it's like Captain Phillips. No, not Captain Phillips. It's uh, oh, Cloud Isn't Atlas. That Cloud a Atlas. Oh. oh, that was Sully. That was Sully. Uh, <laughs> that was Sully. Tom Hanks has been on every type of vehicle. Has he been on a train? Is there a train Tom Hanks movie? Toy Story uh, 3. Oh, Jesus Christ. Polar Express. Oh, oh Polar fuck Express. off. Okay. How do you not jump to that one first? Guys. Well, there we are. He's been on every motor train. Have either of you guys seen Cloud Atlas or like no. any of the other Witch House I've stuff? seen Cloud Atlas. Is it good? It's fine. Okay. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, it being remarkable. I don't remember it being the worst thing ever. Uh, okay. But I also don't really, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't have a very distinct memory in my head, so I'm going to say it was fine. Yeah. I have heard with that one, people have seen it. They've been like, it was okay, but yeah, there's like some stuff in that movie to take away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, but like Jupiter Sending got horrible reviews all around. I know that. The only yeah. thing, the only stuff I've seen is... Uh, the Matrix movies and this, I think, from them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just Matrix and this for me, too. Um, which is their best stuff, anyway. So of course, of course. Doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, I don't... I don't know. I don't know why they, they kind of, like, don't really make great stuff. But, I, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like most, like, truly auteur directors this is like the trajectory where it's like they come out strong which is absolute fucking bangers that change everything and then they just can't shake that i don't know if it's like getting into their own heads about like having to constantly outdo themselves and push boundaries rather than do something a bit more safe that probably would be better like i'm thinking for example of just like even george lucas who (laughs) not that he was ever like as talented as the wachowskis but like (laughs) 
at the end of the day, like, I know American Graffiti and uh, the first Star Wars were both, like, big successes that sort of came from him and obviously had a lot of help and stuff, but is not, like, an untalented dude, but then just, like, could not get out of his own head and just has made, like, garbage since. And, I don't know, the same thing, I mean, you could even argue, I wouldn't argue garbage, but even, like, Spielberg in the last 15 years, like, what has he, he done that's anything other than, like, something weird and... It's either been pretty generic blockbuster or Oscar yeah. movie. Yeah, it's like, just, I don't know, like, a lot of these guys that, all these people that have, like, these revolutionary beginnings of their career just can't seem to pull it together. Like, yeah. After the fact, I, I don't know, it's I mean, it's I will sad. say, I mean, not, like, just statistically, not everything you write can be good. Oh, definitely, but I, it is weird so that there's, like, there's, like, not lesser than people, but I feel like people that are, like, consi- like very consistent with what they do. Like, for example, I'll put Sorkin on there. Like, Sorkin's worst thing and Sorkin's best thing are not, like, worlds apart. You know what I mean? They're all within a certain range of, like, this is what I do, and it's usually around here. Um, yeah, as opposed to, like, a George Lucas or a Wachowski's where it's like, hey, this is, like, a revolutionary piece of cinema this is unwatchable garbage like which i guess is just how it goes right if you're gonna make something that revolutionary you have to have the instincts to also be able to make something that's complete garbage like i guess but i think also because a lot of the wachowski stuff specifically not to speak on any of the other director writer people we've mentioned but with their stuff it's mostly fantasy adjacent i have Mm -hmm. noticed and i think that that is a genre just in general where the ideas are kind of limitless because it is fantasy Um, and so that can be helpful or a hindrance at the same time because you could come up with some crazy shit that just doesn't work or is straight out dumb and like maybe you think it could be something brilliant but like especially it's hard to translate from a screenplay Mm -hmm. to the screen when it's something mm-hmm. so fantastical that doesn't exist. And I think that's probably why it is so hit or miss, because you can do anything, and obviously they do try crazy things, and some of them are just, yeah. you know, dumb. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But also that's this is coming from a person who isn't obsessed with fantasy, so maybe that's just my take. <laughs> no, that tracks. I think you, you see it a lot of the time in, in that stuff, right, where it's just, I mean, even... James Cameron. I mean, we don't have to get. Oh into God! It, but you know what I mean. He needs just to be stopped. People that get, <laughs> that people that get so hung up on. Go the back to Titanic, on... James Cameron. Yeah, I want exactly. another romance. Like, yeah, <laughs> leave he's the done, blue people he's alone. Romance, fantasy. He's done like sci-fi <laughs> and action. The Aliens movie was just an action movie. Yeah. I mean, also sci-fi, but straight sci-fi. up an action. Well, but then Terminator is like a sci-fi movie, sci-fi horror. So like with time travel and stuff. Yeah, like I. I don't know. That's range. That, he, it is, it's a big range for right there. Yeah. For worse. And for also better. range in quality sometimes. Yeah. It's more like one quality and then a just trough that he falls into. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. yeah. What was with the egg sandwich thing? Okay. This is a How great did they question. both make the same thing? thing for her and they both greeted her the same way instead of saying like good morning or whatever they said like bonjour mademoiselle both of them Mm -hmm. how that's a great question fantastic because she points it out and he jokes that he's v but obviously he isn't Mm -hmm. so i don't understand i think 
Um, and I can't remember if that's in the book. No, it's probably not. I don't know. Who cares? But, like, I think that's probably to go with the idea that, like, um, like, to what she said at the end, that, like, like V represents, like, the, the, the similarities in all these people to understand that everything that's going on is wrong and, like, we need to stand up above it. So that's probably more of, like, a metaphorical thing meant to be, like, oh, like, V is like this person. V, like, V is just a, a person. Like, almost, like, to humanize him a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, he's just a guy that makes eggs. Like, the way this guy makes okay, but eggs. why like, wouldn't they at least then have eggs and toast presented in a normal way? It just seems like a really weird direction to have it be something not common. Well, like, how often do you see eggs and toast made like that? That's not uncommon. No. That's, that's a dish. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a dish. Eggs in a nest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but never. I don't know. I get it what you're saying. I get what you're saying. for me. But I think I think the specificity of it niche is egg lore. <laughs> egg egg iceberg explained. <laughs> How deep does it go? How deep does the egg iceberg go? Um, no, I think I think the specificity of it is what's supposed to get the point across that like that like oh like these people like are all similar in this way. Um, but I I don't I I know what you mean. Like it is sort of just like a. Because it's almost like the movie flirts with one second with the idea of, like, are we trying to imply that this guy's V, but then immediately shuts that down? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that, that metaphor of, like, V being a stand-in for anybody and, and this, like, the similarities of, like, those people and the humanization of V, like, I think that all comes across without the egg scene. So, it, it does seem a little bit heavy-handed. And honestly, I don't think I'd be as mad at it as, or if they hadn't explicitly said at the very beginning of the movie how V's like I don't believe in coincidence like I'm here to yeah. save you specifically because your name is E.V. or whatever and Fun. so then to have this thing that seems like such a coincidence happen later on I'm like come on you guys mm-hmm. you, you put that your MO is that you don't believe in coincidence at the beginning of this film and then you put something mm. that I think I feel can only be explained as some insane coincidence maybe in your brains to tell a larger story or theme or whatever but i don't know i was just like pick a lane pick a lane people well maybe it's not a maybe rebellious people like eggs in a nest (laughs) and that's why (laughs) i don't think it's common because i'm not rebellious (laughs) (laughs) or maybe it's trying to imply that like v and dietrich like are aware of each other because it's after this that he does like completely throws his show right and does the skit that gets him killed i loved that that was yeah i love that too that was so great that was so great it's a very um very like network moment the movie network where the guy like goes up and basically just goes on a rant in the middle of his tv show about how fucked everything is like it's it's like that but um yeah i wonder if maybe that there's maybe trying to be a, a little bit of a deeper thing there of like Evie isn't the only person that V has, like, tried to, to like, inspire or, or get on his side. Or, like, maybe they have a deeper connection. But, Interesting. like, v-, v is present in all of us in some way, you know? Like, V is, V's been around. I don't know. It could be. But, like, they never explain it more than that. And I've never thought of it more than that. But the, co- the coincidence line, Carol, is a very good point. Like, because they specifically say that line many times. And then to have this coincidence yeah. seems like oh maybe they're trying to maybe they're trying i don't know i don't know there's a lot of different ways to read it it's at the very least at least it's like interesting in some way it makes you think about it 
um, even if we don't really get an answer to it. And it is like a small enough detail that even without an answer, it doesn't fuck up the movie. But yeah, that's a good question. And there is no, I think, definitive answer as to what it is. Yeah, that's cool. I think I like the headcanon that uh, he was a, a previous um, like protege. Yeah. To V. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. because one of you brought it up, I can't remember, I, I made a little mini list of the V symbolism. That Ooh, I want to okay, go for Ooh. It. <clears throat> Hold on. So, Read it while I go to the bathroom. Since this is live, I won't stop you. I'll listen while I oh, pee. Perfect. Read off okay. your list. Go for <laughs> okay. it. I'll be awesome. I'll be back, listeners. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. So first and foremost, obviously the fifth of, no- of November, V five. We see that a lot. <clears throat> yeah. The name EV, very much, to me, like it just resembles like the new V. Yeah. E doesn't need to mean any anything specific but the fact that it's something preceding the sound v just is reminiscent of like the next generation of the thing mm-hmm. um and also the name valerie who we haven't talked about yet but the the other prisoner that v not met but uh, got the note from when he was imprisoned and tortured um who inspired his whole like yeah plight basically um his cell number five V, which is so cool. I, that detail is like my favorite reveal in the that, movie. That panning shot, oh. or the sorry, the the dolly shot going across the doors as they're talking, and it lands on door so number V. Go- it's so good. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, the V in the fireworks at the end, which I forgot about. Oh yeah, which is cool. That's a nice touch. The final shot of the movie. Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment. Yeah. Um, um how did you feel about the? Uh, V rhyme at the beginning of the movie. I have it in quotes that I want to read at the end of the episode. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. We should do that. It's one of those things for me where when it started, I was like, is this cringy? But then it went on so long that I was like... And I was like, I applaud you, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Where I was like, you guys thought of a lot of V words to put in there, so you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. That's fun. And I still, I don't know how I feel about it exactly, but for better or for worse, I had to read it because it's just so, like, I didn't know that it existed that many V words. I know, I know. It's great. But also, like, it does... (laughs) I think the reason why, like, it has that little bit of cringiness to it is because it implies that, like, V (laughs) V has practiced this and has this whole speech memorized. Maybe he did it before on... That's true. He did it before with Gordon. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he did that. (laughs) Okay, so now that I'm back... Um, I have comments. One, in that I'm glad you pointed out the name E.V., but I don't know if this was an IMDb user who went, like, read into it way too much, but they also pointed out that E.V.'s name is spelled E-V-E-Y, E being Mm -hmm. the fifth letter of the alphabet, (laughs) V, obviously, being the number five, (laughs) and then Y is the 25th letter of the alphabet, the square root of which... (laughs) It's five. That's wow. fun. That, honestly, I have no idea if that was on purpose. I but wouldn't put it past know. Alan Moore to do that on purpose. But that was also a part of Un- IMDb, and I found that hilarious. Unfortunately, the name only has four letters in it. Yeah. If the name had five letters in it, that would have been perfect. Um, yeah. Shit, what was I... I literally had a thought, and it, like, it evaporated into nothingness. Um, okay, I want to talk about... Here's what we'll do. Since we're talking about all this V stuff, I would really like to talk about, like, all the, like, the backstory and that whole thing with, like, the cell and all that. Mm -hmm. And the the poisoning of the children, or the, um, 
the spreading of the virus, the virus. At the school, everything that incited the rise of the party. Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, very fucked up. Yeah. We do not support that. We are not fans <laughs> of that whatsoever. Uh, no, but like, speaking to the idea of like, V saying that there are no coincidences, um, is the woman's name being Valerie and him being in the fifth cell like a coincidence? Like, that is such a coincidence, but then it also I made me think like. She was V and went through some gender change or something for a little bit, for a second. When they started introducing that story, I was like, Mm -hmm. she also has black hair. Her name starts with a V. I know they mentioned that whatever they did to these people made them forget their origin. So I was like, I don't know, maybe they did that. That is true. And, I mean, all of his bodies burned, so, you know, it could be a woman, I guess. The voice would be hard to explain, but I don't know. Um, a woman with Hugo Weaving's voice. Yeah, so obviously that wasn't the case, but that's initially. But there what would I was still thinking. be the coincidence. There'd still be the coincidence of the name Valerie in the cell V. Yeah, yeah, but that also okay. So first of all, like, I love that because um, it's like it, it's what helps so much with the twist on a twist, where when it's revealed that this whole thing has been a twist and that V has been torturing her or whatever, like. It immediately clicks in, like, oh my god, the woman's name was Valerie. <laughs> of course. Like, of course he just wrote this bullshit thing. But then when he reveals that it's actually true, that's like, oh, okay, you subverted it there. Like, no, that actually was. But then it makes me think, <laughs> was her name actually Valerie? Or did he just, like, like, change details about the story to fit into his V theming? Was her name because on the poster? Really... I don't think I don't so. Think it was so. just a portrait of her. That might be true because he poster. even has... He had the movie poster from oh, the yeah, film she was in. Oh, yeah, he has the in. movie I can't poster remember, that she's in. Um, Oh, shit, you're right. Oh, oh. But, you're right, she is in a movie. Yeah, so I think her name must be true, because it actually, I don't know if Google exists in this London, um, but I was going to say not. Natalie Portman could have Googled it to see if she was real, yeah. but that's a today plot line, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, like, maybe this is, like, his first... Love? Like, there are no coincidences <laughs> oh. <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm in the fifth cell, and this woman's name starts with a V, like... Yeah, I was... Okay, that's mm. what I was just gonna say. Yeah. And that kind of also ties in with his arc in the movie of mm. realizing not everything... Like, he needs to take a step back. It's like, yeah, sometimes there are just coincidences. <laughs> and maybe the first thing you ever experienced that you thought wasn't a coincidence, like this V thing, was just a coincidence. Yeah. And that's... This whole thing is built on a coincidence. And even though, like, it has gone somewhere, like, you you weren't all wrong, but, like, you also need to realize that sometimes things just happen and there's maybe not a purpose to it. But, yeah, that could be the the thing, too. Um, But, yeah, I, I think whether he was, like, Valerie or whether Valerie was just in the cell next to him at one point, I do like the idea of, like, Valerie being where, or at least partly where he chose his name V from, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I think that's cool too. I just loved all of the gay representation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Obsessed with that, and I did not see that coming, especially with this being released in 2005. Um, mm-hmm. but one, I forgot to be honest yeah and one of my favorite because uh, I love Stephen Fry I don't know why I don't even really follow like British news or TV 
um, and I only He's even charming. became aware of his existence because of like a YouTuber I used to watch. It's like a very cringy origin story. Uh, but apparently <laughs> he like had a quote that he loved playing this character because he had never been in a film where he got to be beaten up and he just really wanted to experience oh. that and that really excited him and I think that's adorable. Good for him. <laughs> I'm happy he well, was able to live him. out that fantasy. Well also obviously his character wasn't homosexual in the novel and apparently mm -hmm. that was a change that he pushed for because you know he is pro the LGBTQIA yeah. plus well, all the letters yeah. and anti-government. Well not anti but you know judgmental rightly so government. yeah, yeah of yeah governments definitely um and then also i think like because i i don't remember there being such a yeah like you said like the the like gay themes in the book aren't mm -hmm. necessarily as strongly there but then you like again like the wachowskis obviously being members of the lgbt community even though they weren't at the time sure. like they weren't Outwardly, like out yeah. at the time yeah but um you know because even we talked about in the matrix how like there was the character switch that was originally going to be like a woman in the real world but a guy in the matrix or whatever so like they've always been trying to like put these types of themes in their movies so the fact that they were actually able and probably because of like stephen fry's support and etc cetera, etc cetera, and having a bit more clout at this point in their career that they were able to like hammer some of that stuff home um which is good this is a good thing and it's also i think why this movie like ages pretty well too because yeah. they mm -hmm. like it does a good job of, of representing that in a, a good way a way that doesn't feel like shitty so it was surprisingly progressive yeah for the year and I, I can't believe I forgot about all those elements last time I watched it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just so much badassery in the movie that you, you forget about some of the, the more intricate plot stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I forgot about it, too. But it, it, then on this rewatch, it was like, oh, this is good to see. Helps the movie age. Um, talking about the badass stuff, <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about that final fight scene now. <laughs> so good. Because um, I remembered him being cornered and like somehow out outsmarting all those dudes but i forgot exactly how it played out and when he went like what like the guy um what was his name creedy mm -hmm. is the guy who like tortured him in the in the prison or yeah and he works for the government <clears throat> he confronts him and he's like we have like all these guns on you what are you gonna do he's like you don't have guns you have bullets <laughs> and by the time you're out of bullets you better be you better hope to have them reloaded before like i get to you because you won't have anything else to do and yeah. and he takes all the bullets and it's later revealed that he has like the knight's armor under yeah. his so cool yeah he was practicing uh sword fighting on and and just when the guy's like why won't you die and then we get that that line yeah of the beneath that, this mask there's an idea yeah and ideas are bulletproof yeah. so good oh that scene okay he so he dies right after but yeah <laughs> At least Creedy didn't message. need to see it. Yeah, he still exactly. got his badass moment. See it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't remember if the like. I'm sure the line of "You don't have guns, you have bullets," and by the time I'm up, that I don't think that was in the graphic novel. The beneath this mask, there is an idea, and ideas are bulletproof. Like that is in the novel, but it's a bit more expanded upon. Like in the way that a novel would be, there's just more dialogue. Um, but the, that this whole moment to me. Again, and I didn't even realize the Wachowskis, I thought they were just producers. I didn't realize they wrote it until we got to the credits. But when this scene started, I was like, oh, this is the Matrix dialogue <laughs> yeah. right here. Like, this is fucking sick. Even a and Matrix like, fight setup. Oh, I know. I know it's it's yeah. so Matrix, but it's so good. It's so good, dude. Like, I wish 
I mean, I don't, because they just made another Matrix and it was bad. But, like, <laughs> I just wish they, like, kept making action movies, because, my God, they are so good at making, like, action well, stuff. Well, even having, with like, the, like, tracking of the knives yeah. and the, like, seeing the motion blur. Just yeah. so stylized. They, they find a way, because, like, I was thinking about it when I was watching it, because, Carol, I know you, like, famously hate action movies. Um, <laughs> but, like, but you just, you talk about, like, action's not what, like, you particularly yeah. care for but when when i was watching this fight scene i was like oh no carol's gonna fucking dig this <laughs> like there's just something about like the way that wachowski's like set up and pay off action that is so hype that even if you don't give a shit about action you cannot help but like get hype in those moments like i think what usually gets me with action is that the scenes feel unnecessarily long and gory mm-hmm. and violent and it isn't even like a focus on the technique of the fighting usually it's literally just how many people can we kill and half the time not even for good reason um and so i think what i appreciate that the wachowskis did in this i mean they didn't direct it but you know in this and the matrix is that they didn't seem too long mostly in how stylistic they look and so i still felt engaged and like it served a purpose obviously not that i'm like kill people but you know no kill people (laughs) (laughs) so they didn't feel too long and they flew by and i was entertained so i can't really be mad at that yeah i've I've said it before and i'll say it again if there's no drama behind your action no one will give a shit yeah if there is that's what makes a good action scene yep if you care for the outcome of the action of the character in the action scene then you will be engaged but if you don't then it's just dumb often cgi action lock yeah Yeah, that's why it's usually the superhero action scenes that i'm like i don't care i know you're saving the world but your motivation isn't even really to save the world for the good of the people it's just because it's what you do and so then there's gonna be like three quarters of the film where you're doing just that and i don't care (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. And you know it's only there because of... It has to be. Yeah. Pacing and... Yeah. Yeah. Which is why uh, the fight scene at the end of the Batman is so fucking good. Yeah. Because it is literally a everything is shit, the mayor's about to be shot, and then fucking Batman shows up and just fucks those dudes up. And then ultimately has to save Catwoman, who also, like, is getting fucked up. So, like, everything in that fight is so motivated. But, yeah. And then, like, the Wachowskis in particular, even thinking to the Matrix, like, they do such a good job with their dialogue... Like, not even having plot stakes, but of just, like, like setting up the cool moments with dialogue before they happen. It's so good. Like, in The Matrix, when they talk about, oh, like, you're saying I can dodge bullets? No, I'm <laughs> saying when you're fast enough, like, or I'm saying when you get to that point, you won't have to. So then when he stops the bullets, like, it, like you're waiting for that. Like, not actually waiting, but when that happens, it, it is, like, a setup payoff. And then in this, I mean, it happens immediately, but it's so fucking cool when he's like... You better hope that I'm dead after, because I'm going to fuck you up. And then when he's obviously not dead, it's just like, the hype is there, where you're like, oh shit, here we go. Like, you guys what's are going to fall You guys that? are fucked now, yeah. And it was surprisingly violent. Oh, yeah. The knife stuff. Oh, yeah. Also very Joker-esque. <laughs> with the knife? Yeah. You know, killing people with knives, like Keith Ledger's Joker, anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's that was a chris nolan joker thing right yeah yeah that's not like a i mean i'm sure joker has killed people with knives but like <laughs> no, never in in the nolan movies in particular he's he likes to use yeah. knives because he likes to savor the intimate moments <laughs> which is so fucked but also why that movie's great but also probably like took some inspiration from this i would imagine of being maybe like, yeah oh no that's horrific killing people with knives yeah yeah we're gonna make joker do that 
Well, also, you know what's funny? The whole him using knives thing. I was watching this film with uh, Caroline, um, mm-hmm. and she was like... How did she like it, by the way? Oh, you know, she loved it. I also watched it with my friend Goggin. He loved it. You can't, nice. you can't dislike it. Um, yeah, it's great. But yeah. Caroline had seen it before, but like as a child. Anywho. Um, okay. But during some of the knife scenes, she turns to me and is like, have you ever seen Zorro? <laughs> and I, I was also like, no, but I will have to soon. Soon. In like a month, you guys are going to have to because it's my next selection. Yeah, um, so There's a lot I of Zorro in this too, yeah. clearly. A lot. Like even, again, like the, you were talking about like the anarchy symbol, like mm-hmm. obviously because it's a V, but like. But just, when like, he does it in the sign at the, the beginning, come on. Yeah, when he does it in the sign. the tree. Yeah, that was very mm-hmm. that was very Zoro slash Puss in Boots. Absolutely, <laughs> slash Puss in Boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So good. All right. Anything else? Anything else to if, say? If, if you don't have anything else to say right now, I do have my, well, not my, the speech. I also have fun facts. I wrote a speech. Okay. Okay. Carol, what do we want to do first? That. <laughs> I think. Fun the, I think the speech would be a good way to end. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's end okay. with the speech. Yeah. That'll yeah. Be the last thing. So remember the domino so scene. So go for it. Oh, yes. yeah, I remember the dominoes. Scene. How many dominoes do you think were used? Yeah. Uh, 1,000 dominoes. Really? I'm going to say, like, I'm going to say, like, 50,000. Okay. Uh, you were both off uh, in very different sides of the spectrum. Um, it was 22,000. Oh, okay. oh we, we split the difference. Yeah. It was right in the middle. Okay. Just like Evie and V. Just like Evie and V, oh yeah. Gosh. And it took 200 hours and four pro domino people <laughs> to set it up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, scene's, that scene was a little much, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I, stylistically I loved it, gorgeous, but in the montage, it was great. But, yeah, it, yeah. Yes. Stylistically gorgeous. Like, if they were the looking to, to cut it, like, if they needed to make a certain time that easily... Could've. Definitely, yeah. Um. But I do love how it, it ends with like the one domino that doesn't fall because it's caught in the middle, and then yeah. it immediately cuts to the de- detective who's making his decision. Yes, yeah. that is a nice, fantastic little, little piece of editing there. Although, but then they also had the domino in the train when they were sending it to Parliament. Mm-hmm. So yep. you know, I get I get that for a little it bit all of ties an emotional together. arc. Yeah, like a movie, uh- <laughs> like a movie, <laughs> like how a movie should. Yeah, it's so nice scenes. when we watch movies that movie correctly. <laughs> <laughs> tell you how much i relate to that yeah it is so nice yeah this movie's very reminiscent of a movie how a movie should yeah remember when people made movies that functioned as movies this is one of them oh boy um did you know that there was a different v for a while cast and they filmed with that other person for four weeks his name was james purefoy i've never heard of him before and i didn't even look up a picture um, but they filmed with him for four weeks, and so even in some scenes that made it to the final edit, it is James Purefoy acting, but because it's a mask, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hugo Weaving just went back and dubbed over it. Nice. Yeah. I actually, before you move on to the next one, I actually thought for a while, I was like, how much of this was just a stunt double and yeah. they just VO? Right? I thought that too. I mean, all the fighting, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's yeah. the fighting. Yeah. Okay, also. Yeah, I was thinking about mm-hmm. that. You know how at the end, obviously, all the citizens come to Parliament and whatnot? Uh, they had to film between midnight and 4.30 a.m., but even so, they could only stop traffic for four minutes at a time. So I just don't know how logistically they got it done. 
That just doesn't make sense to me. All of those people, the extras on the streets, only four minutes? I don't know. That just blew my mind. That seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Too bad it was in five minutes. (laughs) Oh my god, if only. And this is the most random fact, and I don't know if this was on purpose, but apparently in all of Adam Sutler's scenes, he only blinks once. I don't know what the relevance of that would be. I don't know if it was a coincidence and this actor just rarely needed to blink, but that was on IMDb. Who was that? Uh, I don't know. Um, the Chancellor? Is he the detective? Oh, the Chancellor, the Chancellor. Because his name was Sutler, right? Because it sounds like Hitler. No, I think... <laughs> I thought that was uh, John Hurt. The... No, that's oh. a character name, I think. Oh, I thought... I okay. Think. Yeah. Maybe yeah. then. Yeah, that might have been him. Yeah. Well... I don't know. I, don't know if I, I just know him as the Chancellor. Yeah. Yeah, but as I, all his name was would. Sutler because <laughs> IMDb also told me that they changed the name from the book slightly to they make did. it sound more like Hitler. Because mm-hmm. yeah. God forbid. Um, God, also, was in the book? I can't remember. I just remember I saw that fact too that they changed. It. Yeah, and Stephen Fry. This is also a really random one. I love IMDb fun facts. They're so unhinged. <laughs> He's allergic to champagne. So much so that he was once hospitalized for being in a room that had champagne. I didn't know you could be allergic to champagne, one. And I didn't know you could be that allergic to champagne. The airborne chemicals. Bubbles? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Also, Bryce Dallas Howard, Scarlett Johansson, and Kira Knightley auditioned for the role of Evie. Obviously, with no success. Um... (laughs) And then I think my last two have to do with Guy Fawkes Day, because obviously that remember, remember the 5th of November classic, the reason we are doing this today. Surprise, surprise, in case that wasn't obvious. No, Um, no coincidence. No coincidence. (laughs) So they obviously, not obviously, but smartly wanted to release this film on November 5th, but due to production delays, it wasn't released until the St. Patrick's Day weekend. So that's a pretty significant delay. Um, but this wow, one yeah, okay. kind of frustrates me because that was beyond their control. But this one is about the graphic novel. Apparently the grand finale where they blow up a building. It wasn't like Big Ben and the government in the novel. It was um, some street where money things happen. It was something yeah. else. Yeah. Downing Street. I don't know. I think it was Downing Street. Um, yeah. Anywho, so that grand finale with blowing everything up happened on November 10th. How does that make any sense? He wrote that in the Five novel. Five days after the fifth. I guess. Yeah, but I why not on the fifth? I don't know. I don't remember. It's been like ten years now. I, I so Anywho, I do not yeah, remember. Yeah, that just frustrated exactly. me reading it because I was years. like, "You wrote this. You could have made it anything." This. I wonder if ridiculous. it was like. Instead of like a year later, maybe it was November fifth is when he broadcasted. November tenth is when he tried to blow it up in the same well, year. It was a year and five it, days. Hmm. Yeah, because I think it's still all the same time passed, but oh, I don't okay. remember. And maybe it was there was something like maybe on the fifth, like something thematically relevant happened. Maybe that's when like V died, but then like E V like fulfills the plan on the tenth. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, don't I, I don't remember. Anyway, it just frustrated but... me. Uh, but hmm. that's it for well, my Alan fun Moore. facts. <laughs> um, I just want to touch on the fact a I, I really like uh, a lot of the like the visual parallels that they do. Um, for example, like with Evie's parents being taken away and then when mm-hmm. Stephen fry's character is taken away it's like like a shot oh, for shot like, ouch, yeah. visual parallel that um hurt. but that that <laughs> works so well for like again it's it's obviously hyper stylized but like good for the theming of like her making those connections to be able to then like join the cause uh which is really really great um 
yeah and just uh, as i already kind of said but the the dialogue in this movie just unreal shout out to the wachowskis and everyone delivers it really well and it all comes together in a really great way and also dan the cliche of um like sociopaths loving classical music yeah. <laughs> kind of twisted on his head in this one in a fun way which uh, i enjoy yeah and then there's later in the movie there's like he's listening to non-classical music I yes was like, that's new interesting <laughs> interesting definitely interesting oh and i also love a good like the character in the movie is like obsessed with a movie that like in some way is relevant <laughs> to them which obviously this with the count of monte cristo um which is why he's all about like swords pl- sword play and stuff like that and but also like thematically relevant and uh, that was a, a nice touch yeah what was the line that they showed from that movie um like he's like it wasn't my sword that disarmed you is like your own yeah wrongdoing or something yeah it was something like that i can't remember exactly but it was cool and then i mean look you know just just the batman similarities how can we overlook them i mean we've already talked about some but even just like this movie ending with a train batman begins ending with the train like true like that is yeah. a, a similarity but then even, i mean literally both movies end with a person's plan to send a train somewhere yeah. to blow something up that is the climax sure. of both movies but i feel like that happens <laughs> um, a lot now, does it Name yeah. one other movie where that that happens, where uh, someone puts something on a train and sends it somewhere to blow up. Is Bullet Train? Does that happen? I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't um, seen Bullet Train. There's like, uh, what about Crash? Is there? Wasn't there something about a train? <laughs> Crash. Crash? No. The no Oscar trains? Best Picture movie okay, about racism or whatever. Um, yeah, that was that wasn't about. Uh, was it there one like, <laughs> with a train and people had to stop it? I don't know. I just feel like yeah, I there see a lot of that, train films. It, the I think movie Jake Gyllenhaal was in with, one. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that was Source Code. Oh, I know. That was it's all that the was same a different situation. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't think of another like I'm directly. Just, yeah, specifically like. If I had the a better person... memory, I would have lots of arguments. Yeah. No, like I, I agree. There's tons. There's tons of like we're fighting on a train and we have to stop a train. Like that happens a lot. But specifically, like my plot is to send the train to a location blow to blow up, up. Like, for an act of terrorism. As an act of terrorism to like unite the city. Like literally, both movies have that. Um, and, but then even like you know, there's a character in the same Gordon who ends up being an yeah. ally. Batman. All right. That's and oh, and one more thing about Gordon: the detective is obviously a parallel for Jim Gordon. Oh like, yeah, that yeah. was all I was thinking about with him. Definitely, a hundred percent. Okay, time for the speech. Time for the yes, speech. Yes, please. I'm also really glad that you were the one who pulled it up and was ready to read it because you have such a great reading voice. Go for it, Dan. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right, here we go. Voila, in view, humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified, and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta, held as a votive not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. And I tried I particularly to count along, think... there were way too many. Too many. <laughs> yeah. Too many, too quickly. I particularly think that last <laughs> bit, where he starts by saying, like, the only verdict is vengeance, that whole yeah. part is, like, where I really was like, wow, that that's a yeah. great. It pulls it together. It definitely it's very yeah, impressive. Because I, I the was of the is... same place. I was like, it's a little cheesy that he keeps doing this. Yeah. Very like the first bit is major, very comedic. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. then that last bit, he like he it like gets more serious. Even with the music 
cue mm-hmm. I noticed, mm-hmm. and it's like this is what you really need to listen to. Definitely, yeah. And, and <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, it does. I guess like even going back to the idea of like Count of Monte Cristo, like he would be, I guess, like theatrical. You know, he's all about theatrics, theatricality. He wears a mask. He wears a mask. So like, yeah. You know, he memorizes it speech. It fits, yeah. It, it fits. I guess it does fit. And Hugo Weaving delivers it so well. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's fine. Yep. Well, we did, did it. Did we do it? Live episode? We did in it. The can? Yeah. It's kind of live episode in the can. If you're listening to this on the day of release, this was recorded not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And if you're not... Today. <laughs> it was recorded a while ago. It was recorded exactly as many days ago as November 5th, 2022. Yep. From you. All right. Do we know what's next? Uh, maybe the either Jordan Peele or Selection series depends on. It depends on when we are able to yeah. record or yes. uh oh the video. Yeah. You right. Okay, we, we can talk about this <laughs> off recording then. Yeah. Because right. that'll decide when I need to have that ready by. Okay, sounds good. We Fair. can cut that out if you want. Nah, or we can this is all no, no, unedited. Same. It's all staying in. Yeah. Unedited. No edits. But, yeah, but we're trimming the ends off. They're not going to hear the sync clap. <laughs> no, I won't. St- I'll, I will. St- after from your yeah, I'll put the intro and then I'll put your thing. I, but this is all staying in. And okay. I'm just gonna put, you don't I'm have gonna to put, put an outro. outro. Yeah. No, I'll put. Yeah. I'll put the outro after all this. Okay. Well, all right. We did it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Stay beautiful. Sorry. Remember the fifth of November. <laughs> oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. That doesn't make any sense. Thanks again for listening to the Future Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you liked this video, give us a rating and review. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the bell to be notified when we post a new video, or follow the podcast on Spotify. If you want to connect with us directly, you can follow us on Instagram at FeatureLengthPodcast, or even send us an email at FeatureLengthPodcast at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.